1: Internal Medicine Physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. This Sunday morning, it's an open line show today. Doctor Hilden is your host. Good morning, by the way. It's good to see you again, Doctor. Good morning, Denny. Welcome yeah. back. Thank you very much. Thanks to Steve uh, Thompson for for filling in uh, quite well. I'm sure he always does.
0: Oh yeah, Steve's a great guy. He's he's. Uh, it's always good to have you back. But you know, Steve Steve uh, is, is such a knowledgeable and good guy to have on the show. He's a personable guy. Love Steve Thompson. But it's always good to have you back. Okay. Did you have a good time off. I, yeah, it was got a lot done.
1: A lot wow. done, and I started the pack for our Good Neighbor tour, so it takes me a while. So you're going somewhere
0: fun. Yeah, the Alps. Wow, that's yeah. going to be a trip of a lifetime. I haven't yodeled. Is... I don't know how to yodel yet. Oh, You better be careful. I might ask you to yodel on the show here. <laughs> we'll see.
1: But, again, this is an open line show, which means if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. But it's a, it's a, you're driving the show, whether your phone calls, uh, your questions by a phone or text. By the way, that is the same number. If you have a, any kind of health question, or you or someone you care about, 651-989-9226. It's exact, exactly the same number for your text questions, 651-989-9226. We were talking at home this past week with all the heat and and the humidity, Or some folks like to talk about the dew point. Really hard on folks who have to work outside or some folks who like to exercise. And I, and I said to my family, we're going to ask Dr. Hilden if uh, the hospital saw a lot of heat-related uh, problems this yeah, week.
0: It's been just absolutely brutal, hasn't it been this past really? week? If brutal, you're up here, that's the word. yeah, it's just brutal. Um, although today is going to be gorgeous, but yeah, we do see. I, I'm not aware of any of the really serious cases of heat stroke. You know, heat stroke uh-huh. is the deal where, yeah, where it's life threatening, where the hot, the heat gets so bad in your body, your temperature gets to 105, 106, 107, even higher. And your body can't operate at those temperatures. It it can't stay cool. So I'm not aware of any of those cases. Although that doesn't mean we didn't have any. But there are the lesser versions of heat exhaustion we see all the time, and that is um, the precursor to heat stroke. And so it's particularly bad this week because of the humidity. Yeah. You talked about the dew point, which I don't even remember that term when I was growing up. I don't know if that. No, we we didn't use it. We used to talk about it then. Just humidity. We always said humidity. Yep. But now that dew point, I always figure if it's getting above 65 or 70, things are getting bad. And I heard it was into the 80s. Yes. That's just brutal. Because, you know, your body like any other engine or or organism gives off heat and it has to dissipate somehow your heart is a pump it, it makes heat just like you know the your car makes heat and it has to be dissipated and so your body does that by perspiring that's the main way you breathe some of it out some of it goes away off your skin by just convection it just radiates away from your dry skin but the majority of the heat is dissipated from your body through perspiration so you simply Water on your skin, the sweat on your skin evaporates and takes heat with it. But if the air is so wet, like it has been this past week, you're, that perspiration doesn't work very well. So you, you're you can't cool off, and so people get those symptoms of heat of heat exhaustion. You get dizzy. Um, that's like one of the first ones: dizziness and kind of a little bit of weakness and fatigue. And some people actually pass out. And then you start to get weird, sort of not thinking clearly even, if your brain isn't starting working right, and then things are going the wrong direction. So we do see a lot of that, just a lot of dehydration and a lot of uh, um, uh, dizziness kind of symptoms and, and exhaustion, basically. It's actually quite dangerous. It's particularly dangerous, I should say, for people who are vulnerable, and usually that's at the extremes of age. It's a medical term. Don't you hate that? Extremes of age. Babies, 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 they're at high risk and much older adults. So they're at higher risk as well. So I'm glad we're all, I'm glad we're kind of out of it. Yeah. For sure. At least up here in the upper midwest we are. I was here's a funny story as we uh as we uh, um get ready to answer some listener calls. I was in Washington DC just for a night at some um doctor meetings. And we're we're leaving Reagan National Airport, which is just across the Potomac from the Lincoln Memorial. It's very close. So apparently the runways aren't very long there. Because I I had squeezed my way onto an earlier flight because I got to the airport earlier and there was one leaving from Minneapolis. So I squeezed my way onto earlier flight and I'm sitting way in the back by the bathrooms. And they get on the, on the PA over the airplane and they called out about six names, including mine. So I had to get off the airplane. <laughs> it turns out that's a walk of shame if there ever was. Yeah, I'm sitting in the back of the airport, had to collect my stuff. I was already watching the movie. I had to get off the airplane. It turns out, there's a, there's a point to this, it turns out the airplane was too heavy to take off in the heat. And, Interesting. And I didn't know that. I mean, it was, uh, we thought it was hot here in Minneapolis. In Washington, D.C., it was downright, it was downright. It was just un, it was like the apocalypse. It's was really coming. humid. Oh, that. my gosh, it was that hot. And they said, so they had to empty the last four or five rows of the airplane because the runway isn't long enough for the airplane to get enough l- speed to get enough lift to take off in that heat and humidity. So my big heat story of the past week was I got bumped off an airplane because I apparently weighed too much. I literally made the airplane weigh too much. Never heard that. <laughs> they said, they told us, the pilot got off, told the six of us standing there, I am so sorry, but the heat got too hot. I can't I can't make. The, I can't change runways. I can't take this airplane off. So we had to ask you to get off. So that's my heat related story. Oh my god! You ever got, right have you right ever right. thought of that getting kicked off an airplane because you weighed too much? No. <laughs> Talk about the walk of shame. <laughs> that's the walk of shame <laughs> if there ever was
1: one. 651-989-9226. Uh, or send a text, if you like, uh, 81807. We're doing, if you're just joining us, we're doing an open line show, not uh, talking about any uh, particular, particular topic. Tell you what, let's, I want to ask you about uh, the, the, the weather changes, because I know you're a runner, uh, about the New York uh, Triathlon. Uh, I'll tell you what, Teresa is uh, calling from uh, Cambridge with a question. Thanks, Teresa. What's your question?
2: My question is about gout. I was diagnosed with that, and it's very painful. I tried looking Mm. up with limited skills Mm. on the computer to find out what causes it and what to do about it. I'd love to have you discuss a little bit about gout.
0: That's a great question, Teresa. Um, uh, Thanks for your call. So gout is a a condition that's been around for, well, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It is um, a how can I summarize it? It's an inflammatory process where little teeny crystals um, form in your body, and those they they literally look like crystals under a microscope. Um, they're actually quite lovely. If you look on a microscope, they're little yellow kind of, they look like little slivers, but they're crystals, and those are a byproduct of food digestion. So we all have these crystals in our body. Um, Except for most of us, it's just in small amounts, and we simply excrete them from our body. In some people, they get very, very high, and those crystals form mostly in your joints. And um, the biggest ones, are the one at the base of your big toe is is the classic one. Why it goes to the one at the base of your big toe, I don't know. But you get these crystals form there, and it gets swollen and tender. It can be in any joint, though. It can be in your elbow, in your wrist, in your ankle, in your knee. It can be in any of them. And those crystals all form in there, and your body gets a, an inflammatory response. So the whole thing gets hot, gets warm, and it gets red sometimes, and it's exquisitely painful and until, for two, three, four, five days until it goes away. It's treated with simple anti-inflammatories. The humble ibuprofen at relatively decent-sized doses is really good. Um, There are other treatments as well, like prednisone and the like, but we treat that acute attack with anti-inflammatories. The problem is it comes back. And in some people, it comes back every month, in some people a couple times a year. But when it comes back, you just, you just, you're so apprehensive about it because you know it's going to hurt. So there are medications to reduce your risk of it coming back. And those are medications you take not when you're having a current attack, but you take them every single day to try to prevent them. Now, if you're, if you're getting these or you know someone who does, I recommend Googling um, foods to avoid in gout because there are some foods that make it worse. I heard beers one of them. Some meats are one of them. I can't recall them all off the top of my head, but they're, it's a product of metabolism of regular, just regular things in your diet. I, it's what's called the purines. It's one of the amino acids. It's, a, it's getting beyond my knowledge base, but it's a byproduct of digestion. Very, very common. I think it was like Benjamin Franklin or somebody compla- right. complained about his gout. I think he had that. And, and the one that, when it's on the base of your big toe... It can hurt so badly that the bed linens, the sheet in your bed, hurts to lie on your big toe. That's how bad it hurts. Fortunately, it does go away after two or three or four days and, uh, and it usually doesn't have any long-term consequences after those two or three or four days. It is also, here's the last thing about gout. High uric acid levels in the body are a risk for getting gout. Uric acid is what forms those crystals. High uric acid in the body over time is also shown to be not so great for your heart. So there is the the gout problem itself, but if you have recurrent gout, it's happening over and over. Um, you should have your uric acid levels checked in your body, and if they're persistently elevated, it's worth taking a medication to lower them. Because How do you it, check that? Uh, it's just a blood test. A blood test. Just a blood test. And you want it down there around, I think it's like 4 or 5, and if it's above 6 or 7 or 8, it's too high, and um, it might be worth a discussion with your doctor about whether you want to take one of the medications to lower uric acid. The medications are are quite effective, actually. Very good. If you have a question, we're uh, doing an open line show today. You drive
1: the show 651-989-9226. I see one line is open. If you want to call in your question, otherwise send a text, same number, 651-989-9226. Uh, Dean and Dave, on the phone, hang on. We're going to get to your calls. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to pick up on your text messages as well. Again, same number for phone calls and text messages here on an open line show, 651-989-9226. We'll be back with more on our open line show on Healthy Matters. Our temperature reading in the Twin Cities, 64. We're heading to near 80. And Good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters, an open line show, your phone calls and your text messages the rest of the way, 651-989-9226. Dr. Hilden, let's go to the phones. I think Dean uh, in Hutchinson is uh, waiting there online. Dean, thanks for waiting. What's your question?
3: What causes a, a large volume of uh, sticky mucus coming from your sinuses?
0: Yeah, um, Dean, thanks for your call. It is probably one of, I'll say, Oh, a couple or three things, mostly two. It is either if it's just a you have it for a few weeks, um, it can be either a viral thing. In other words, you have a viral sinusitis. Um, the other thing is allergic, um, and which is happens to a lot of people. Now there are some other things. There are bacterial sinusitis, and and you can have cysts in there, you know, that make mucus, and you can have things like that. But by far and away, the most common things are either a viral illness or allergic. And those are different, but they lead to the exact same thing. They lead to excess fluid production. You know, all of the tubes and pathways in your body have fluid in them. And, uh, and when your body is responding to uh, some insult, whether it be a little virus in the air that you breathed in, or whether it be an allergen, it makes more and more fluid. And the, your sinuses are simply holes in your skull. That's what they are. I'm still not sure what they're for, although I had a friend in med school who was an opera singer. That's a true story. She was an opera singer, and she said when she had a plugged up sinuses, she couldn't sing opera quite as well. So maybe they have something to do with our voice. Hmm. That was a weird thing. But they are literally little holes in your head, and when they get full of that fluid, there's nowhere for that fluid to go. So it kind of sits in there, and think of like a bog or a swamp, and things just kind of get yucky and thick and... and it's not like a flowing river. It's just fluid sitting in a little cavity in your skull, and it tends to get thick, and it gets white blood cells in it, and, and and so that's what it is. And then it drains little by little by little. For most people, those kinds of things are worse at night, or particularly first thing in the morning because you don't have gravity to help you. During the day, you might be just swallowing it all day long, just little by little. You don't even notice, but it's worse in the morning. So things you can do. One, you can just wait it out, do nothing. Um, and that's what most people do because there's nothing really to be done about a viral infection. Sinusitis does not need antibiotics except in about 10% of the cases. You don't need antibiotics. But you might see if you have allergies. My allergies just roared back to a just a, with a vengeance in the last few weeks, and I had been doing quite well over the springtime. So there's some new grass or weeds or something coming out this time of year, so maybe it's that. So you can take antihistamines that you can buy at the store for that, something on the, on the lines of Claritin or Allegra. Those are brand names. I would recommend you buy the generics. You can try that and see if that helps. You can try decongestants, but I wouldn't overdo those. You can take an antihistamine every day for ongoing, almost forever. It's safe. But I would not take decongestants more than just a few days, just one, two, three days. Otherwise, that's um, they do have longer-term effects. So you can try decongestants. You can try antihistamines. You can try nasal irrigation. And if none of that gets better, go see your doctor maybe get some allergy testing or see if you might be one of those few people that have bacterial sinusitis. Mm. You don't need x-rays or anything like that. Okay. Very good. Thank you for the call. 651-989-9226.
1: Let's go to Andover. I think Dave is there uh, Dave you're on with CCO?
3: Yeah, hello. Uh, I wanted to talk about the swelling of my ankle, but for the gentleman that was just on with the uh, sinus problem, um, I had chronic sinusitis, you know, and I'd get infected, and I started out to see the doctor and just tried nasal irrigation with the saline. That didn't work. Then I tried antibiotic that he uh, prescribed for irrigation. That didn't work. And then he prescribed antifungal, and I, for the last three, four years, I've been using antifungal and an anti-irrigation, uh, interconosol and genomycin, and I... Irrigate. oh
0: you're on powerful drugs, Dave. That's a heck of a deal.
3: Yeah, but it's very, it's very...
0: It's been working um, for you. It's very diluted. Yeah. And so I uh, um,
3: irrigate morning and evening, uh, and I alternate. we you know, one day it'll be jet yeah. and the next day the. Oh, consult. you're not taking
0: the pills. You're actually irrigating. no, no, no. Oh, it's, yeah.
3: it's nasal irrigation.
0: Yep, yep. That's and actually I a good idea. Haven't had a problem, and since I started doing. Yeah, that's hmm, that good. Yeah, that's good tip, Dave. Okay, I'll tell you
3: what. Um, the reason I called uh, is swelling in my left ankle. You know, when I'm still upright. You know, you know if I keep it elevated. Um, it'll dissipate, and I, I, that's my left. I had a, a right knee um, replacement about two years ago, and I've got uh, chronic fluid on a, on the a right knee. Um, it's really swollen, and um, but the, the thing I'm concerned about is is the, the left ankle. And I don't have a problem with my right ankle.
0: Hey, Dave. Any um, there no recent injury?
3: No. Oh, I, I, I've i got arthritis. I mean, yeah. and these, these are one of my knees. If I'm on my feet for, you know, just putzing around the house in the kitchen, I'm, you know, I'm standing, you know, I'm on my feet for an hour, and my knee, both my knees start, you know, really bothering me. And like I said, I've got uh, some arthritis in my left knee, but it's not, you know, that bad. And then I had... Uh, yeah. the, had the right knee replaced, and yeah, was, but, but uh, Dave, hard.
0: this goes away when you elevate it. Yep. Yeah. So the you could have any number of things. Um, in the absence of an, the, the first most common thing is simply trauma or micro trauma. Now you don't remember any ankle injury, um, but it's still possible that you have a mild sprain of some kind in there, and that um, because anytime you have an injury, ligaments torn, stretched, you know, or just overstretched tendons, things like that. Your body responds with uh, an inflammatory response, so that 's a one possibility um, sort of like a almost like a subclinical a little sprain you weren 't aware of that 's a possibility. Another possibility is simple um, worsening of your arthritis now you have you 've had knee surgery and the like and osteoarthritis or the wear and tear of your joints is not in and of itself an inflammatory condition, but it does lead to some fluid on the joints, so it 's possible that you've had some kind of uh, progression of your arthritis. You could have other things like gout. Like I said to the um, first caller this morning, Um, you can have um, uh, gout is without a doubt a swelling of the ankles. You might want to look into that one. Um, You can one day when it's swollen, go into your doctor and see if they can't get a little fluid out of it or at least have your uric acid levels checked. That's a possibility. Then there's other things. Um, there are systemic organ things that can lead to leg swelling, although I want to preface this by saying that this doesn't sound like you, but any kind of lower extremity swelling can be caused by kidney, liver, or heart disease. I don't think that what you're describing is consistent with that at all because it's usually not one ankle. If your heart's failing, you're all, you're both your legs swell, or if your kidneys are, both your legs swell. So it doesn't sound like that. Um, I'm not sure what to suggest other than to elevate your leg. Um, Take it easy. Uh, um, When it's swollen, your body's telling you something, so don't be on your feet for a long period of time. Make sure you have good shoes. Look in to see if it could be gout. And if none of that is the case, I'd get an X-ray of it. I would just see if there's a little bone spur in there or if you've got a little mild loosening of the joint space. That could all lead to this. It sounds to me most like a local... Trauma to the ankle that you weren't even aware of. That's what it sounds most like to me.
1: All right. You know, we're almost up against the clock here. We have another half hour of the show to go. Uh, but before we take can that I, break, do I have a couple of yeah,
0: seconds? I can sure. talk about a couple Absolutely. things. First of all, today is Open Streets, Minneapolis. That's where the city of Minneapolis closes off miles of a big major thoroughfare. And there are booths and people biking and walking and things to eat and things to buy. Today, Open Streets Minneapolis is at Lake and Minnehaha. It's on Minnehaha Avenue. It's from 11 to 5, and we'll be there. Hennepin Healthcare will be there in between 31st and 32nd Streets. And one of the coolest things of all, we'll have an ambulance there. You can get inside of an ambulance. When you don't need to when be. When you don't need, you. You don't need <laughs> to be. And the paramedics are there. You can take a selfie with Bernie, the mascot dog. There's health trivia. You can get fitted for a bicycle helmet. And we'll have experts from our East Lake Clinic there. That's at Minnehaha Avenue. 30, between 31st and 32nd Streets today, and it could not be a more beautiful day to get out. Perfect. Ride your bike. Wear your helmet, but ride your bike or walk or whatever. I know, Imagine over the years the ambulances have become really high-tech. Oh, my gosh. They're little mobile intensive care I units. I bet they are. Yeah. They cost a dollar or two. I you don't just they... go down to the dealership to buy one. They're mobile ICUs.
1: All right. Well, we're going to take a mobile break here. Uh, we have another half hour of the show to go, so stay with us. 64 degrees on our way to near 80. Radio. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. What does that mean? Your phone calls and text messages... Uh, drive the show. We're not talking about any particular topic. So call us or text us. Same number, 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. And I know we have a bunch of calls, doctor, and a bunch of text
0: messages. But before we get to that... I have some things to talk about here. Um, We're going to get to all of your stuff, um, uh, callers, so be patient, please. First, out a shout out to Mrs. Anderson. I don't know your first name, but Mrs. Anderson um, gave us an email from Maple Grove. She sent us an email with she says she loves listening to the show. She uh, talked about how she liked the dermatology show and she and and, um, and the Respiratory Therapy Show, and then she had some suggestions for upcoming shows. I love it. Thank you. She talked about low back pain would be a great topic to do. She talked about the HPV vaccine as a good thing to do. So if you want to send us a note, please do. Either go to myhealthymatters.org, that's the blog site, and leave me a comment, myhealthymatters.org, or you can always just email at matters at hennepincountymed.org. That is the email line that somebody um, monitors. I don't monitor it, but somebody else does. So Mrs. Anderson, thank you for that. Also, I'm really excited about our Brooklyn Park Clinic. If you are in the Northwest Metro, you're going to want to listen to this. We are expanding our services. The Brooklyn Park Clinic is located at 7650 Zane Avenue North, and it has doubled in size. Um, Clinic growth is really strong, and what more could you want? We have added more specialty services like chiropractic care and acupuncture. Um, there's a physical therapy gym and an on-site pharmacist. Folks can get all of their health care needs at one location in the northwest suburbs. So for primary care is there, pediatrics is there, infusion therapy, diabetes educators, acupuncture, chiropractic, physical therapy, pharmacy, it's all at the Brooklyn Park Clinic, now doubled in size, now including a pharmacy, and it's here for all your needs. Go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash Park for more information. Also, just another quick reminder to visit us at Open Streets Minneapolis today but on Minnehaha Avenue between 31st and 32nd and see uh, literally the most state-of-the-art ambulance, crawl inside of it, talk to a paramedic, meet Bernie, try on bicycle helmets, and more. That's today between 11 and 5. Very good. All right, a couple texts and then yeah. to the phones. Let me do a couple texts that came in a long time ago. One says, I'm thinking of changing doctors. How do I explain this to a new doctor? Just be honest. First of all, you don't owe your doctor anything, really. <laughs> I mean, it might be nice to say, hey, I've, I've got to switch to a new person um, because it's closer to home. or, or I've, 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 You don't really even have to explain that to anybody. Um, you can just tell your old doctor, I'm changing clinics. Full stop. That's it. I'm, I'm going to a you new know, You know what? They'll be sad to see you go, but it's up to you. You get to do that. Don't feel bad. Um, just tell your new doctor. I'm switching clinics. You don't even have to tell them why. Um, second, if here's a text message that says, if I have a stress fracture in my foot, how long will it take to go away? And can I walk on the tour? Hmm. Um, the answer I've had a lot of stress fractures in my day. I've had two or three of them. I've had one in my tibia, my shin bone, and I've had two in my feet. And like in like a not smart person, I went and ran a marathon on mm. one once, and it hurt like a big dog. That that hurt. That's not what you're supposed to do. If you have a stress fracture and you know that's what it is, you're supposed to take it easy. So use pain as your guide. You can walk, um, and but if it, if it's a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. But you can walk on it. Just make sure you have really good shoes with good padded padded. Um, in Make sure your shoes fit you. Make sure they're good walking shoes. If it is really painful every time you take a step, you should um, lay off. Um, but I think you can probably get away with walking on the tour. That's well, I ran a whole marathon on one, although people tell me I wasn't too smart to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's a, one more, and then we'll go to the sure. phones. Why is the opioid crisis the fault of pharmacia? Don't people have some responsibility to use with caution narcotics? We should sue beer makers, this person says. I, I Heaven forbid we sue beer makers because I know a couple of them and boy they've <laughs> I'm kidding about that opioids are the the opioid epidemic is not the fault of any one person but it is we all share culpability um, we all do doctors prescribed them too much people did rely on them too much and very importantly I'm sorry to say the pharmaceutical company marketed these things people don't market because they're because it's fun they market because it works. And I was told erroneously 20 years ago there is no downside to prescribing opioids. We all were. We, we were given false data. We were given false information. Um, they are clearly dangerous. So it is not just the pharmaceutical industry's fault, but they had a very large role to play, as did doctors who bought it, hook, line, and sinker too much. Well, I sat there in clinics endlessly hearing about people's pain, I had this drug that I was told was safe, and the and and so I prescribed them, <clears throat> and I prescribed too many of them, as did all doctors. And then it is also up to individuals. So it's a it's a group problem. I hate to say blame, but it's a group problem. All right,
1: let's get to the phones. Folks have been waiting, uh, like Bernice in Farmington. Uh, Bernice, go ahead. You are on uh, CCO.
4: Yes, um, I have the diarrhea so bad, and. um... I I've been to three different doctors. One was down in Mayo Clinic. And in in Mayo they said to uh, to take um Metamucil and um oh what's that other one? Um, what's the other one, dad? Um oh, shoot.
0: Oh, well, That's okay. You don't have to remember about it. So Bernice, um, do, how long have you had the diarrhea? Just tell me that much. That'll help me out.
4: Yeah, it was probiotics and metamucil. So I take two mm-hmm. of, uh, probiotics now, and boy, I've had some bad ones lately. And nothing I take helps. I took uh, loperidamine. Yeah. And that that helps. And now the one I was taking, they don't do anymore.
0: So, but how long has it been going on, Bernice?
4: Oh, for about twelve years.
0: Twelve years? Oh, good grief! Yeah.
4: Yes, it's terrible.
0: Okay, so here's the thing: Um, you have a chronic um, diarrhea, which is from uh, that just obviously qualifies. It means it's not just from an acute illness. It the better thing to do, and I bet you've done most of this, but I'm going to say it for other listeners: is to try to figure out why there are malabsorption problems. And there are osmotic problems. That's a bunch of medical mumbo-jumbo. But the malabsorption problems are you could have things like celiac disease. You could have inflammatory bowel disease. You could have um, uh, other kinds of uh, chronic colitis, inflammatory um, conditions of your bowels. All of those have some extensive testing that can be done to see if you have it. But that's what I would do. Because if you've had diarrhea for 12 years, I'm going to tell you right now, probiotics aren't going to help. Um, or Neither is Metamucil. Not that those aren't a good idea. I'm actually a little bit of a fan of probiotics. I think that our, our diets are all screwy and, and, and we could probiotics are, are probably a good thing. But they're not going to be the solution all by themselves if you have one of these conditions. So I would make sure you've had blood tests for celiac disease and colitis. I would you need to have had a colonoscopy, and I'll bet you've had that done. And you need to really try to figure out what these are from. They can do you're out in Farmington, they can do it up here in the Metro. You can certainly do it at Mayo because you're halfway between us. And um, those are get a gastroenterologist, a GI doctor who specializes in this condition. Um, chronic diarrhea. They have them in Rochester and they have them up here in the Twin Cities. Get somebody who specializes in this to do those tests because if you have one of those conditions, they can give you treatments that will make it go away or at least keep it well under control so you don't have to deal with this. That's what I would do. Get to the underlying cause first. All right. We need to take a break. A quick one. We'll be back with more open lines here in Healthy
1: Matters. 69 degrees in the Twin Cities here on CCO. Highs near 80 and welcome back to Healthy Matters, an open line show today here on WCCO. Dr. Hilden, we have callers, we have texters, and I know our time is limited. Let's, uh, folks have been waiting for a long time. Let's talk to Mary, who's calling in from Stillwater. Thank you, Mary.
2: Well, thank you for let me talk to you. Mm-hmm. I'm calling about, um, I've had vertigo about two weeks ago. It was bad for about three days. I went into the doctor. Um, since then... It's gotten much better except for when I lay down or when I'm getting up, and I'm also in physical therapy. The question I have is another sensation is that when I lay down, I get a tingling across the back of my head, and thats I don't know if that's related or not, but I was wondering about that.
0: Yeah, um, good question, Mary, and I'm having a hard time making the tingling connection with your vertigo, but it's possible. How's that for a, a hedging my bets. Um, The vertigo is almost certainly in your inner ear. Um, It sounds like benign positional vertigo. In other words, it comes and goes, but it comes with a vengeance. Um, Over the course of a few days to even a few weeks, you can get that vertigo over a few weeks. It's usually with body position. So getting up from bed, getting into bed, moving your head. If you're perfectly still, it might not um, be um, be a problem. So that sounds like your vertigo sounds like you're taking care of that the numbness in the back of your head is is a little bit um is probably not your inner ear but it but it could be that you have a pinched nerve or something and and it is at least possible that that pinched nerve is leading to some vertigo symptoms so there it is possible that there's a connection but i don't think it it's not an a obvious clear one to me if the if the numbness in the back of your head is resulting in a few things, then you should have it looked at. And those few things are weakness in your arms or legs. If they're truly weak, or if, if you hold up your two arms in front of you and one of them drifts to the ground, you need to go into the hospital um, because then we're talking more um, either neurologic or neurovascular problems. So if your speech is normal, your arms aren't weak, your smile is normal, you can smile and you don't get um, you know droopiness in your face, then I'm a little less concerned. But if you have true weakness somewhere or other of those kind of neurologic symptoms, then go be seen right away. Other than that, it's probably just a pinched nerve or something that is unrelated.
1: I think we have time for one more quick call. Wendy is calling from Hopkins. Uh, Wendy, you're on CCO.
2: Hi. um, I have, on Friday, I started getting a fluttering in one ear, and it lasted for like seven hours, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, when I stood up, it seemed to be lighter, and then, when I'd lay down, it'd be heavier. Do you have any idea what would cause that and I also have a comment for the for one of your callers oh what's that oh. the The comment for the caller is my mom had had horrible diarrhea, and she went to a naturopathic doctor dr Leachie, and um He put her on an elimination diet, and she figured out the foods that were causing it, and the problem went away. Yeah,
0: Thank you. um, Somebody else said it could be too much magnesium. So the things you put in your body um, are true, um, can lead to diarrhea. As for your ear problem, it is possible to have um, a little inner ear infection or a middle ear infection. It's possible to have vascular abnormalities in your ear that leads to a pulsatile-type sensation. Um, all of those can lead to what you have suggested. Um, I would go to an audiologist first to have that looked at, especially if you have an ear problem that's on one side or the other. If you got one ear that's got that kind of weird kind of sensation that you were describing um, – th- when it localizes to one side, that's something I would probably go have looked at. Have a hearing test, have a vestibular test, and then um, maybe get uh, go to an ear, nose, throat doctor to make sure you don't have some kind of like nerve sheath problem um, in that ear. And if you don't have a doc, come see us. HennepinHealthcare or six one two. 873-6963. three sixty nine sixty three. We're going to be back on the radio next week. What are we going to be doing? We're then? going to talk about something we've never talked about on the air: endometriosis. This is a mm. problem that women can get. Um, we're going to talk to an obstetrician gynecologist about endometriosis. Very
1: good. Join us then next week here on eight three o wcc. A few clouds now. Our current CCO temperature reading sixty nine degrees. We are on our way to near eighty today.